Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Let's then move now and transition to um, our lesson today in Genesis 17. And it's a whole chapter devoted to this one thing of circumcision. And you're like, wow, that's, that's, some, that's some kind of topic to talk about on Sunday morning is circumcision. Well, yeah, it is. And I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I realized that most people don't understand the significance of circumcision and what's the, the spiritual meaning behind it. And uh, many Jews practice it today, obviously, and if you're a Jew, you typically do circumcise your child on the eighth day, according to what Scripture says. Many Gentiles have been circumcised, um, and, um, but you know, a lot of them do it for medical reasons, and I'll talk about the medical reasons, and that's fine, but there's a spiritual significance to it because it points to the concept of circumcising your heart. And so I want to take you through this because it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. To be in part of the Abrahamic covenant requires circumcision for every Jew. So um, every Jew should be circumcised according to the Abrahamic covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. But um, how, what does that apply to you and I as Gentiles? And we're going to take that practice and talk about it spiritually speaking. Because here's the concept. If a person is not circumcised in their heart, notice what I said, heart. If they're not circumcised in their heart, they will think differently, they will act differently, they will have different views of life because of that lack of circumcision of the heart. So it points to a spiritual reality. So I want to take you through that and show you... Um, what, what the Lord, why he requires this, and what it means for you and I. So we start in Genesis 17, and it says this, when Abraham was 99 years old, okay, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. So it's talking about his commitment and devotion to God, and this is what God is requiring. And, and what, what the sign of this devotion and walking before him and being blameless is going to be what God prescribes for him for the Abrahamic covenant. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And again, we've already seen that the Abrahamic covenant has been established. And here's what I want you to keep in mind. When the Abrahamic covenant was established in Genesis 15, God cut the animals in half. Abraham was to have the animals cut in half. You remember that. There was five different animals, and he cut them right in the middle and splayed them out. Uh, and then there was a valley of blood that you had to walk through, and only God walked through it because it was a unilateral covenant. So it's the concept of this, cutting, okay? Cutting. What do you mean? So you cut the animals in half, Okay, they were once whole, now they're cut in half. And that symbolizes that the partners that are going to walk between it are now going to be combined together in unity. So in order to have a covenant or a unity, you must have a cutting. You must first divide to have unity. 
Now, that's a concept our world doesn't understand. They want unity at all costs, right? Unity without the truth. Unity um, by ignoring, you know, foundational things about reality, right? They all talk about unity, unity, unity. You can only have unity if you cut something away. And what do you cut away? Lies. Unity can only happen if you have the truth. And that's how unity is formed. So like in a marriage, your marriage has to be based on truth. It can't be based on a lie. If it's based on a lie, it divides the person, the people. If it's based on truth, it unites. But there must be a cutting even in a marriage. The cutting represents something must die in order for this union to happen. So that's what the Abrahamic covenant has been seen as. It's a cutting of the animals so that God and Abraham and anybody involved in this Abrahamic covenant can be unified with God. That's how it works, okay? So you've got to have a cutting. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. So beyond even the Jewish realm. Because uh, he'll be the father of the Arab nations as well because of Ishmael. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the, a father of many nations. That's what the word means, father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Not only with Israel and the kings like Solomon and David and whatnot, and obviously, ultimately, the King Jesus, Messiah, but also among the Arab nations because of Ishmael. So he's the father of many nations. Many kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant, and it's unilateral, which means that God makes it, he will make sure that it gets accomplished regardless of the participant's behavior. He will make sure it happens. And it's to Abraham's descendants, obviously the Jews. But the everlasting covenant means this. As long as this space-time continuum lasts, Israel, this covenant is with Israel. So it's never eradicated, ever, is the idea. The Hebrew word is olam, which means to the end of, of human history, basically. Um, and so this lasts not only today, but it lasts into the kingdom as well. The kingdom age for a thousand years. Also, I will give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That we've studied that, so the land of Israel belongs to them. And it, since it's an everlasting covenant, it belongs to the Jews today. No one else. And will belong to the Jews in the kingdom. Okay, we've covered that. But again, God is just reestablishing things in this. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant and you and your, and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Referring to the Jews. All the way to today. And now we get to the circumcision part. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in, your flesh, in the flesh of your foreskins. Now, 
circumcision wasn't unique to the Jews. Circumcision was practiced uh, in the ancient cultures. The Egyptians had circumcision. And many of the ancient cultures had, a, had circumcision as a rite of passage, uh, puberty and becoming a male and whatnot. So different cultures had different ways of doing circumcision. Okay, But now God is saying, look, you're going to practice circumcision and you're going to cut away the flesh. You're going to cut something off and discard it in order to have this covenant. So something must be cut as a symbol of this union that I'm making with you and your generations. And basically, you would cut the foreskin on the male organ. Okay, You're going to cut the foreskin on the male organ, and he's going to say it's going to be on the eighth day. Now, there's, there's spiritual significance to this. Okay, So again, he says, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And the idea is that every covenant God makes, there's always a sign to it. Like, for instance, when he said, I'll never flood the earth again. What was the sign given for that? You remember? It's the rainbow. Okay? It's not the pride rainbow. You know, you know what I mean? You know, interesting enough, the pride rainbow only has six colors. The true rainbow has seven. You ever notice that? I don't know if that was intentional, but their rainbow is Six. Six in the Hebrew mindset always means you fall short. Man's created on the sixth day, isn't he? Man falls short. He's always short. He's short of perfection. Seven is perfection. So God's rainbow is seven colors. The LGBT rainbow, six. Isn't that interesting? But anyway, I do digress. But the idea is what the rainbow is actually a circle. You only see half of it, but the rainbow is actually a circle, an unending circle, okay? So in this token of the, of the covenant sign, it is a circle as well because the cut makes a circle around the male genitalia. So the circle, again, representing eternity. This is an eternal covenant, Okay. He who is on the eighth day old, who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. Now, this is interesting. There's a great book out there, uh, None of These Diseases. And what you start realizing that when God prescribed certain things to the Israeli community, it actually was not only symbolic of spiritual realities, it also pointed to health benefits. So one of the health benefits of being circumcised on the eighth day is that the, that's the highest level of vitamin K in the baby, which allows vitamin K, allows the blood clotting at the highest levels. So God created us, and he says, look, don't circumcise on any other day except the eighth day. And what we know is the eighth day has the highest level of blood clotting for a child. Isn't that amazing? And he told them, just do it on day. Now, he never told the Israelites why. He just says, look, trust me, do it on the eighth day. Now we know medically that's the best day to circumcise a child is the eighth day because of the, the vitamin K in them. Now, what they'll do today when they circumcise, um, they typically give an extra shot of vitamin K into the baby for the blood clotting aspect if they're gonna circumcise the child any other day, typically. But anyway, 
God tells them to do this because they're not going to have the medical facilities that we have, obviously, at their disposal. They're going to have a flint knife, which is like glass, very sharp, uh, like a blade, and they would use a flint knife to do this. And they would do it to the child on the eighth day. So he goes, every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or brought, bought with money from a foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is brought, uh, bought with your money must be circumcised. So anybody involved in this community must be circumcised. Now, you don't really want to be circumcised older because it's worse. The pain is really bad when you're older. The best part, the best time to do circumcision is on the eighth day. And it's very little pain and uh, to the child, and God prescribes it. You do it when you're older, you're going to be down for a couple of days, as you see in the, in the biblical text, because they would circumcise adults sometimes, and they were down for like three days, if you recall in some of the biblical stories. Anyway, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. So it's in your flesh. Uh, uh, it's in your body as a sign, okay, is what he's trying to say. Now, most people couldn't see this, obviously, because you were covered up. But it was a sign between you and God that you're part of this covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Notice the word cut off. Okay? There's a, the concept is you're going to cut off the foreskin. You must get rid of something. And if you don't do this, then the person is also cut off from the community physically. And cut off could mean death as well. So that applies to the Jews today. There should never be any Jew walking this planet that has not been circumcised because it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. They all have to do that, even to this day. If not, they're cut off from the community of faith. They're cut off from the, the Abrahamic covenant is the idea and could die. So anyway, this is how serious it is. You must do this or you're cut off from the community. Okay, let's understand the, 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 uh, the covenants just a little bit. You have the Abrahamic covenant, which is the overarching Jewish covenant, okay? And under the Abrahamic covenant, what, what births out of the Abrahamic covenant are three other covenants. The first one is the land, which is given to the Jews. Obviously, you saw this in the text. The second one that you're not seeing in the text is the Davidic. And the Davidic means that there will be a seed that sits on David's throne forever, obviously through the Messiah, right? It's a political throne. It's a seed throne, a seed promise. And then the third one that comes out of the Abrahamic covenant is called the new covenant, which you and I are under right now. And it's the blessing aspect of the Abrahamic covenant. It's the spiritual aspect of the Abrahamic covenant. And uh, it, re it represents salvation. It represents forgiveness. It represents spiritual circumcision. Okay, Now, the Jews are not, not experiencing this right now as a nation, as a whole. You have individual Jews experiencing the new covenant, but not as a whole, as a nation, as promised. Right now, you and I experience the new covenant, and we participate in the spiritual blessings of that new covenant as we've been grafted in to the Abrahamic covenant via the new covenant. 
okay? That doesn't mean then we get land. That doesn't mean that we get all the physical promises that are made to Israel. We get the spiritual benefits and blessings from the new covenant, which derives from the Abrahamic covenant, okay? So this is how we're in there. And the only way to get in this Abrahamic covenant via the new covenant is through Messiah, that's the only way you're going to end. That's why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way into this covenant is through him. And he must do the work of circumcision on you. So as you can see the developments in, in, in church history, not sorry, church history, biblical history, you can see where the Abrahamic covenant was made, and then out of that comes the land, and then you have the new, and then you, have, you can see the Davidic. Notice that Mosaic Law Code comes in there, but the Mosaic Law Code was rendered inoperative at the cross. So we're no longer under the Mosaic Law. So if somebody says, well, uh, Brandon, why don't you worship, the, uh, worship on the Sabbath or keep the Sabbath? Because I don't have to, because the Mosaic Law is rendered inoperative. You know, and, but um, nine of the Ten Commandments followed into the law of the Messiah. So the Mosaic Code is, is rendered inoperative at the cross. But notice where the other lines go. So with Israel, the land covenant will be fulfilled in the kingdom. The Davidic covenant will be fulfilled in the kingdom. And then you see the new covenant there, and it applies to the church in a spiritual way of partakers of it, and then it will fully be applied to Israel in the kingdom. So three aspects of the Abrahamic covenant still have to come to fruition in the kingdom age. So that's kind of a, a, a look at the covenants in biblical history. So they still exist, right? Okay, so let's go through this. So from circumcision, we're given a clue of what this spiritually means. And I wanna take you through this real quick. So think about this. It was an inner or unseen token in the flesh to remind the person of their expected devotion and service to God. Israel is to be a holy nation, right? And so it was a mediatorial nation. So now you and I, this is why Paul will call us ambassadors. Because right now Israel's in a timeout and the church is becoming these ambassadors. We are also a holy priesthood as well, according to Revelation 1. So we're doing the work that Israel is supposed to do right now while they're in their time out. But it's an inner token of the flesh. No one can see it except you and God, right? But every time you see it, you're to be reminded of the expected faithfulness and dedication to him. It was a token to serve as a reminder that the person belonged to the covenant community. The community standards apply to, to you whether you like them or not. Obedience was expected. Now, let me give you a, a, an application for our society. So you're circumcised as a, a baby, right? And then you grow up in this Jewish society. And whether or not you like the rules, it didn't matter. Because this is the community that you live in, and you will obey the rules because the rules come from Yahweh. Now, think about this in our culture. We have people that grow up in America, and we had a a culture based on Judeo-Christian ethics, okay? So, you were, it, so whether you liked it or not, you were born into a country that has Christianity as its foundational core value system. And it didn't matter whether you liked it or not. You were born an American. And here are the rules. 
and you had to oblige yourself to stay in the community, to stay in the culture, you had to accept those rules in order to function in America. Okay? But what happened? We started having generations and generations being born in America who were told, you don't have to play by the rules of our culture. In fact, go against the rules of the culture and do whatever you feel and, and want to do. And hence, one of the other reasons America is on a downslide is because we have people that won't bow a knee to the cultural's values. That's the problem. So if you can see what God set up is you're born into the Jewish culture, you're going to be circumcised, and you will submit to the rules. And that's the problem in America. We have people that won't submit to the Judeo-Christian values. In fact, they're overthrowing them, right? Notice that the ring was made to represent an everlasting promise. It's a circle. And blood is shed to remember that this is a blood covenant. Remember, God made a blood covenant with this by separating the animals. And remember, like I said, the cutting brings unity. So then what happens? The foreskin then is cut off and cast away. It is a separation, a cutting of the foreskin is what's going on here, and you would do it by the flintstone. To remove, and basically what you have here is to remove the external to reveal the internal. See, the foreskin covered up the internal. And the internal is, is at the heart of the covenant. What do you mean? Well, think about this, okay? The foreskin carry diseases in it, okay? And so as they would have sex in the ancient world, the foreskin, because it was hard to clean, would pass on diseases to the female, this is why the Jewish women have low cervical cancer. Because the males in the Jewish community are circumcised. And that skin is gone that carries diseases inside of it. So when you look at female Jewish women, they have a low rate of cervical cancer. Which you can see why God would do that on a physical way. I don't want the women, the females, having a bunch of cancer. So I'm going to do this as a medical benefit as well. And that would go to the reason today. This is why a lot of Gentiles will circumcise their boys because the foreskin carries diseases in it. Okay, It's hard to clean that area. So you circumcise the child to prevent the child from passing on diseases or even having diseases himself, but passing on the diseases to their female marriage partner. So there's a medical aspect to this. So again, but what does that point to? It points to something must be taken off to get rid of the disease, to allow normal function to happen without passing on the disease. Are you catching that? Okay. It's a cleansing act. So it's pointing to something, to humans. It must be performed by someone else. You can't do your own circumcision. Someone else has to do it for you. You can't do it yourself. Hmm. 
It was a mark on the reproductive organ as a sign for generations. So why, why target the male organ? Because something, it's the male organ and his seed that passes on things to the next generation. It's not by the female, it's by the male. The male has the seed. This is why when Moses said by the seed of the woman in Genesis 3, it was very unusual for him to say that because women don't carry a seed. Only males carry the seed and pass on different things. That's why when you're determining who is Jewish, you determine them from their father, not from their mother like modern-day Judaism. It's from the male it comes in. Okay, so the male is who passes on the disease for future generations. So that male must be circumcised in order to not pass on this problem, this seed, in his future generations. It, must, uh, it can only be performed on males, like I said, because the males have the seed. It is a sacrifice. Something has to be given up or die to get the intended goal. So in order to have the life and the unity that you want with God, something has to go away. And, and it's represented by the foreskin. So here's what you have to see. The theme of Genesis then, it starts in Genesis, but the whole idea of circumcision goes all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And what you start realizing, they start using the word for other things, like you have an uncircumcised ear or that you have uncircumcised lips, or you have, Leviticus says, you guys are like uncircumcised fruit trees. And what does this mean? Well, what Moses and the prophets in the New Testament is trying to establish is that you have an impediment in your mouth, in your ears, uh, or, or bearing fruit that's preventing you from hearing, from, from speaking, from producing fruit. There's an impediment in you that has to be cut away. Something is preventing you from moving forward with God. Something is preventing your union with God. You must circumcise, is what he's trying to say. That's the theme of the Bible, okay? The Hebraic understanding then is this, that uncircumcised means that there's, there's a hindrance, a barrier to the relationship with God. And so, uh, in the, in, so the foreskin in the Hebraic understanding is that that which impedes the true life function and will ultimately cause death. That's what circumcision represents. That's what the foreskin represents. So Jeremiah then comes along in Jeremiah 4 and he says this, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. Ah, wait a second. Now we're on to something. Now we can understand what physical circumcision points to. It points to a problem of the human heart. And Jeremiah is saying, you must take off the foreskin of your heart because the foreskin of your heart is preventing you from having a relationship with God and being able to be devoted and obedient to him. Wow. Okay, so we're on to something. Romans 2.29, circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. 
As he was arguing with the Judaizers that said you had, that these Gentiles have to be circumcised, they said, no, you don't understand. The Gentiles are not part of the Abrahamic covenant in the sense that they need to be circumcised. But what really needs to happen to these Gentiles, and anyone else for that matter, is they need a circumcision of the heart. And it's only done by the Spirit. Only the Spirit can circumcise the heart. Humans can't do it. Remember, circumcision has to be done, performed by someone else on you. So God must perform the circumcision on you. Still, we don't know what it means still. Well, the Holy Spirit must perform the circumcision. The circumcision of the heart is unseen, but the token in the, is the presence of the Holy Spirit inside the person, which is unseen. It is the only way into the covenantal community. Now, the covenantal community that we have right now is called the church. We're in the church. We're not, in, we're not Israel. We're the church. This is the covenantal community. The only way into this community is you must be circumcised in the heart. Oh, it requires cutting off or destroying something. And what we understand that to be is the sin nature. The foreskin represents the old man, the old sin nature in all of us. It is the sin nature that is the impediment that prevents us from having a relationship with God. It prevents us from having a covenantal relationship with others in that covenantal community and anyone else for that matter. Now, as an example, when your heart is not circumcised and you're ran by the dictates of the foreskin, which is the sin nature, these are the kinds of things you say your depth you're correct that trans women should be able to compete in women's sports but your argument for it is just scientifically and factually incorrect i'm actually not bad about this um i'm 100 percent right on this it, i don't give a about the scientific explanations people if they identify as a woman get to compete in sports if that's not fair in the short term for a variety of little competitions i don't give a i don't give a because the societal interests of including trans people in society trumps stupid competition. Full stop. So I'm right about this. You're wrong about this. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. White women are one of the most dangerous groups in the United States and abroad. Hey, y'all. Uh, my kid finally made it to this stage. I'm so excited. We got the name change, legal, everything, all the documents are done. This is all that's left. Help this cute kid. Reach his goal. Thank you. When Target caves into this, then it says that the moment you threaten the employees of even a very large corporation, you get to control its policies. This is economic terrorism, literally terrorism, creating fear among the workers and forcing the corporations to sell the things you want and not sell the things you don't. Agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world. Uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And we can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture 
this front and center is part of the solution. It's a hard time because a lot of people have internalized the lies they've been told. After the search of Mar-a-Lago, there were days of lies about the FBI acting as some sort of thug army. And that hurts because the FBI needs to knock on doors and get people's help. It needs to be able to stand up in a courtroom and say, I saw this thing and not be seen as a political actor. They are not political actors, but the lies have an impact. We were able to do this when the president said he wasn't even going to talk to us. This is really a step in the right direction. It puts us a trajectory that's different. We put a statutory cap on only spending 1% for the next six years. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate. So you, you hear this montage and you're like, these people are talking crazy. The reason they're talking crazy is because they have uncircumcised hearts. That's the problem. Their foreskin of their heart has not been removed. And hence, they act crazy like this. So, like you heard um, John Kerry say, we're going to go after the farmers now. Because the farmers are producing too much gas emissions. Which means that, uh, that you and I will starve in order to save the planet. And they don't care if you starve. So, Global Methane Hub announced May 17th a press release that agriculture and environmental ministers and ambassadors from 13 countries, including the United States, have signed a commitment that pledges to reduce methane emissions in agriculture. So, what does that mean? It moved from animal proteins to insect and lab proteins, and farmers will be forced off their land. The population has to be reduced by 70% in the near future. That's what they're talking about. That's called an uncircumcised heart. This is an uncircumcised heart. Text shows teachers union working with CDC director to keep schools closed. Yeah, it was them. We now know it. Are they going to apologize? No, but that's called an uncircumcised heart when you see these people do this. Um, this is uncircumcised heart. Uh, minors banned from attending Orlando Furry Convention at a new Florida law. Now, what you realize is that these people get involved in these furry uh, costumes, but it all has a sexual connotation to it. And so it got so bad, I guess, last year, because they had minors there, that Florida had to ban minors being able to go to these creepazoid sexual fantasy things uh, that these people participate in. That's called an uncircumcised heart. This is an uncircumcised heart. Glamour magazine puts on a so-called guy who's pregnant. Now, we all know that a guy can't get pregnant because they don't have female parts. So this is a female looking like a guy, pretending they're a guy, saying they're pregnant. And it's on the cover of Glamour magazine. That's an uncircumcised heart. Republican presses VA to stop flying pride flag, request removal of any flags promoting social policy positions or political statements. So here's the VA flying a rainbow flag, okay? Whoever decided to put up a rainbow flag at the VA has an uncircumcised heart. Six flags hosting drag queen shows for all ages at amusement parks. That's representative of a uncircumcised heart. Disney Pride Collection includes Mickey Mouse bodysuit for babies. Why would you do that to children? Why? Because you have an uncircumcised heart. Disney has an uncircumcised heart. Parents clash with LGBT activists outside California Elementary School over Pride Day rally. Now, God bless these parents, but what are they doing? 
they're actually having to protest these people who have uncircumcised heart and are pushing the agenda on the children. God bless these people. But it's why, why do they need to do it? They're dealing with uncircumcised hearts. And this poor guy got beat up as he was praying outside uh, Planned Parenthood, and some old boy comes over there and just beats the thunder out of him and says, you know, you'll learn your lesson, don't ever come here again. And so we're watching now violence being perpetrated on Christians as being normalized. Uh, and and that's, that's because of uncircumcised hearts, obviously. So going back to the circumcised heart, it requires us understanding that the sin nature is passed on by the seed of the male, so everyone has a disease. That's why circumcision was put on the males, because the male passes the seed. And the male, spiritually, passes on the sin nature to his progenitors. This is why Joseph is not Jesus' father. This is why he's born of a virgin, because the sin nature is passed on by a father, and Jesus doesn't have an earthly father. He has his heavenly father, right? And therefore, this explains why Jesus must be virginally conceived, because it, it prevents him from having the sin nature, because it's the father. So we pass on this, this, this sin nature. And, it, and here's the thing. If you do not understand this, then you don't understand how people work. Our, our society thinks people are generally good and will do the right things if they have the right environment. And God is saying, no, the foreskin of their heart has to be cut off. The sin nature has to be cut off. It allows loyal love for God and faithful service to him. It allows one to be an ambassador for the Messiah if you're circumcised in your heart. If one refuses to have their heart circumcised, several things happen. You cannot love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You cannot obey the commandments inwardly or outwardly because you have no power to do it. You cannot generally serve God if your heart's uncircumcised. You become stiff-necked and you reject God. You know what, what, the, what, what the term stiff-necked means? It means like you put an ox in... Um, and a yoke, and his neck is so thick and, 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 and that he can't turn his head to the right and left because his neck is so th thick with muscle or whatever, and therefore you can't guide him. You can't guide the ox to the left or to the right because the, the ox's neck is so thick with muscle, it can't turn its head. It's just stiff, and that's where the term came from, stiff-necked had to do with an ox not being able to turn his neck. So you can't use him for the plow. He can't turn, you can't turn him. And that's the idea that if you have an uncircumcised heart, your neck becomes stiff. Not literally, but spiritually. You, can't, you will not be directed by God to the left or the right. They resist eventually the Holy Spirit's conviction if their heart is uncircumcised. It just gets worse. And they're cut off, cut off forever for from God's family. Well, then what is this referring to? Ultimately, circumcision of the heart refers to salvation. It is the Old Testament's term for being born again. Okay? It, 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 that, and, and part of being born again is the sin nature has to be dealt with. 
And what happens positionally, let me explain this, is that the sin, once you become faith, come to faith in Messiah, your sin nature loses its power to be a master over you. That's the impediment that prevents us all. And here's what you have to understand. So therefore, before we got saved, the sin nature dictated to us how we lived. We didn't realize it, but we weren't making our own decisions. Our sin nature was telling us what to do. Now at salvation, the sin nature has been broken free from our will. So our will is now independent of the sin nature, and then being born again gives us a new nature. So you have two natures, and your will is right here. This part, the sin nature, has been cut off like the foreskin. Okay, But you say, we still have the sin nature. Yes, you still have the sin nature. So what must you do? You must choose which nature you're going to operate under. Will you still operate under the foreskin? Or will you operate under the circumcision? The circumcision representing the new nature. The foreskin representing the old nature. Which will you decide to operate under? Because you have a choice now as a believer. Which one you will do? And there, therein lies the problem that we still have to face. Yes, we've been freed from the will of the sin nature. The sin nature no longer has any power over us unless you give it its power. So therefore, in our Christian life, how this is, is explained is that if you continue to operate under the foreskin, under the sin nature... Something will happen then to your heart, and it's called being calloused. So even though you have been circumcised, if you operate under that non-circumcision part of you, your heart becomes harder and harder and calloused to where you can actually be in a position that God can't direct you anymore because your heart becomes so hard. That's a situation you don't want to get into. So what do you want to do? Well, Paul will say you must crucify or kill or cut off the flesh every day in order to live under the new nature. So you have to mortify the flesh. You have to destroy it and, 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 and realize you've been, circum, uh, you've been circumcised from that. And then you can access the new nature. And the new nature wants to obey. It, the new nature actually has the power to obey. It wasn't until you were, you were circumcised spiritually that you were given the power to obey. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to actually obey the commands. That's why Jesus says, my burden is light. What I ask of you will be light because the Holy Spirit will give you the power in order to do what I command you to do. That's the secret. But you have to mortify the foreskin. You have to mortify the flesh. Now, here's the thing. Just like I said, something must go. Something must be cut off. Something must be sacrificed 
in order to get to the true essence of how you're designed. Okay? So in our walk with the Lord, now I'm going to speak to you as a believer, in our walk to the Lord, you must give away the impediment that's keeping you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. You must identify what the impediment is. And let me tell you what the impediment will be. It is something you love that you refuse to give up. That's the the foreskin that you're holding on to, and you will not cut it off. So let me give you an example. Um, The golden calf in Israel's life. The golden calf was then worshipped as an idol. And so what happened? That became an impediment, obviously, to the worship of Yahweh. It was a big mistake by Israel. But what happened? How did Israel develop a golden calf? They took a calf, so to speak, to represent Yahweh. That calf, that which must be sacrificed, became their idol. That which must be cut, the the, the calf, as a sacrifice, became the idol. So that becomes the impediment. So whatever's in your life that you're not willing to sacrifice, that you're, willing, you're not willing to let go, and you have put an undue love and faithfulness to this golden calf, is impeding you from completing your mission. So what happens? Moses comes down and he says, oh my goodness, they're worshiping an idol. That which must be sacrificed to God is now being worshipped by them. So what does Moses do? He destroys the golden calf and he makes them pound it into the ground. And then do you remember what he asked them to do? Or he didn't ask them, he commands them to do. Now drink it. He mixes the gold in the water And he makes them drink it. Why does he make them drink it? It's because of this. That which must be eaten by you, a calf, you elevated as an idol and worshipped it. Now, I'm going to reverse the whole thing and I'm going to tell you this is what you should have done with that. You should have ate it. And now I'm going to force you to eat it to learn your lesson. That which must be eaten and is for you and sacrificed, I'm forcing you to do it instead of worshiping it. You must get rid of it. And that's the concept that we have to deal with. Whatever you're holding on to, you must let it go. You must cut it off. You must end it today in order to get to the life that God wants you to have. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn through Abraham's circumcision. I thank you so much for the, the, the spiritual realities of it, what it points to, and what it points to about our souls and our hearts, Father, that it reveals the inner person. Father, help us to, to make sure our hearts don't become calloused. Help, make, help us to make sure we cut off what we need to cut off in our lives so that we can fulfill your will. 
And I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know your son as Savior, that would come to faith in him today, understanding he died on a cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day to offer everlasting life. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.